We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey, what's up? It's Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Kyle Madsen. Chris Biederman will join me. As per usual, we're going to talk about the five or six, depending on how big of a football guy you want to be, needs on the 49ers roster. Chris, you're not listening. This is just me doing the doing the pre-show ramble. Sorry, I didn't mean this, to distract is, you. Yeah, thanks. No, it's fine. Chris will be joining me in a moment, sir. <laughs> That's what we're doing today. We're doing the 49ers top five or six needs going into the offseason, and then I think we'll probably do this again after free agency uh, hits and all the dust settles on that. We'll do a draft needs type of pod. But for now, uh, as of February 4th, here are the 49ers' top five or six needs, depending upon your football guyness. Blue Wire. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. New England sending QB Jimmy Garoppolo to 49ers. We believe we found the right guy. Garoppolo, quick pass, caught by Kittle. He dives, and he's in. Touchdown, 49ers. Kittle is going to go. Touchdown. All right, Chris, we got to start the pod, though. We're going to talk today about the 49ers' five or six biggest needs, but we're going to start the pod with some big-time breaking news. The 49ers announced uh, Thursday, February 4th, long snapper Tabor Pepper will be back on a two-year contract. Does this vault the 49ers to favorites in the NFC next season? You know, there's so much talk about where the 49ers are in the pecking order of the NFC West right now and, and the Matt Stafford trade fallout, but mm-hmm. um, I don't think enough people are talking about the, the long snapper situation and just how agree. solid the 49ers were with, with our guy Tay Pep yep. last year. So I, I think it's, it, it needs to be more of the more part of the conversation as we sort of evaluate this division and, and um, compile our power rankings because, uh, because Tay Pep is, is a pretty pretty big deal. Well, you have to consider the ripple effect, too, that this is going to have on the kicking game. Robbie Gold, obviously, was much more consistent with Pepper doing the long snapping. And then the field position battle with Mitch Wisnowski. Is he getting those snaps on time? Is right. he punting well, flipping fields? And I think this could wind up being huge yeah. for the 49ers. Yeah, football is half offense, <laughs> half defense, and half special teams. So I, I think sometimes people forget that. Yeah, it's a widely known football <laughs> adage. Uh, that makes three free agents sign this offseason. That's Tabor Pepper, Ken Webster, and Jeff Wilson Jr. All right, we finished last pod talking about what? No, I'm just laughing. It's a funny bit. Oh, okay. There, there are going to be people who will be like, are they really talking about Tabor Pepper this way? <laughs> <laughs> 
Hey, and shout out to the like three or four people who heard that and was like, wow, great points. <laughs> I hadn't thought about the long snapping we, situation. But... We love you all. <laughs> so we ended last pod. We talked about the Matthew Stafford trade and kind of the fallout from that. And the next logical step of that conversation was talking about how big of a need quarterback is for the 49ers. So what we decided to do was look at the 49ers top five. I said top five. You turned it into six because you're a big time football guy. Yeah. Uh, needs for for the season. And this could obviously change. So before we start, we're going to set the caveats that Trent Williams and Kyle Juszczyk have re-signed. That hasn't actually happened, but for our purposes, we're going to assume that those two players return to San Francisco, and we're going to make our list based off of that. If something happens where Trent Williams winds up signing elsewhere, then we will redo our lists because left tackle suddenly becomes the number one priority for the 49ers this offseason. But for now, we're going to assume that he's back, as is Kyle Juszczyk, and so we'll make our lists off of that. yeah, sure. And and one thing I, I do want to say about Juszczyk or, you know, the the ramifications of his free agency, like, mm-hmm. I do wonder if he does leave um, and gets more money elsewhere than the 49ers would be willing to pay him. Um, I wonder if the 49ers would just try to try to fill his spot with another fullback or if they would just sort of abandon the fullback and go, you know, multiple tight ends, right? Like, there's a lot of... Mm-hmm. A lot of Kyle Pitts talk in in mock draft internet world right now, and um, you know, like you you could conceivably add another tight end, and if you lose Kyle Usechek, then that that might be how you offset it, right? Is with a, a versatile, athletic tight end, H back type, who can do some of those things that Kyle Usechek did. Obviously, it wouldn't be a one for one switch, but um, that's something that they could do. So we don't, we'll we'll operate as if Usechek is coming back for now, because I think. You know, if the cap is bigger than the $175 million floor, um, then I think that money would likely be allocated to use check. I don't know that for mm-hmm. a fact. I'm not reporting that. That's just speculation. But um, I, yeah, for for the sake of this exercise, it just seemed a little bit weird to try to figure out how important a need fullback would be if use check left. Right. Because I think one of the reasons why the 49ers have played a fullback so much is because Juszczyk is so good mm-hmm. in right. that I don't think they have a fullback just to have a fullback. They have a fullback that they use a lot because he's a good player, um, and it's not like they're just going to have a fullback if Juszczyk's gone. It might be that they just go to more multiple tight end sets. Anyway. And just to, just, just to kind of put a cap on that point, Tom Pelissero from NFL Network is reporting that he has heard that the cap is going to settle probably somewhere around 185 million, which is 10 million more than the 175 million dollar floor that was set. And if that happens, then I think what you just said is is all correct. So let's start with this list of needs. What I want, what what I figure we can do is you can start from the bottom of your list because I looked at our lists and realized they were very similar. My order is just a little different than yours. Okay. So let's start at the bottom of your list. So we're going and... least pressing to most pressing. Yes. Okay. So we'll start so at the bottom I... of your list. Yeah. So I, I have six, um, mm-hmm. and I'll explain why when when we get to it. But my my sixth biggest need is right guard, and I don't know that that necessarily the 49ers have to go out and invest a premium resource in getting a right guard. Mm-hmm. Um, they just need more production from right guard. Maybe. Getting Daniel Brunskill to play there, not have to worry about playing center. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe he can be better than he was in 2020 because he was he was fine at right guard and he struggled at center. Um, or maybe Colton McKivitz takes a big jump from year one to year two. Um, or they bring in a free agent or they draft somebody, whatever. The, the point being, they need more production from right guard. Um, and along the interior of the offensive line, just in general, because pass protection was an issue in the middle um, and I think not having Weston Richburg, there were all sorts of ripple effects with that. Um, but right guard is an important position for, for the 49ers to upgrade, because if you look at the offense and we'll have, we've talked about the quarterback stuff, but if you look at the offense, really, I think the, the biggest weakness that they have from just a roster perspective is their center and right guard situation. 
So for for me, six is right guard. Um, I don't think they'll use a first-round pick on an interior offensive lineman. It wouldn't surprise me if maybe they drafted a center, uh, you know, after moving back from 12. I don't know that there's a center prospect that you take that high. But, um, yeah, I think uh, I think right guard and, and center. Um, well, center for me is is up further on the list, spoiler alert, but right guard for me is, uh, is where we got to start this conversation. I have right guard at number five. And I have it there because I think that it's mostly just trying to figure out where where that production comes from because they might have that player on the roster. Maybe it's Colton McKivitz with a, a full offseason under his belt and after some reps at, at right guard after not having played there. Maybe, like you said, it's Daniel Brunskill. I'm not sure they they add anybody to play that spot specifically. Maybe right. they, they draft a lineman who can work in there, but I, I think they have enough bodies on the roster that they can get more production from there. But yeah. on 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 the other hand, it, they they do need to figure something out. And if they if they're not confident that Brunskill can play there full time or that McKivitz is going to develop, then then they do need to add somebody. So I have that at number yeah, five and, on my list. And maybe it's just in school too. Maybe he's he's a candidate yeah, that, sure. that can play there. Um, yeah, and and a lot of that too could be like if they make an upgrade at center, that opens up the competition at right guard, right? Like if you add somebody to play center, then you're not asking Brunskill to play center, and that adds to just the overall quality of of the pool you have when you're trying to figure out that position, right? And you have a new position coach and Chris Forrester, which will be interesting to see. All right, what is number five on your list? So number five for me is quarterback, and I tried making this list without adding quarterback because uh, I wanted to approach it from a different angle than, than just we've sort of been taking in terms of the way we talk about the 49ers this offseason so far. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it has to be mentioned, I, but I look at it like, you know, you, you need backups, obviously, with C.J. Beathard uh, hitting unrestricted free agency with Nick Mullins being a restricted free agent. Um, coming off a significant elbow injury. Um, but there's there's going to be the question about Jimmy Garoppolo pretty much until or if he ever wins a Super Bowl, right? Like Jimmy Garoppolo came within a quarter of winning the Super Bowl, and after that everybody wanted to replace him. So it's pretty clear that the only way everybody's going to be happy with the quarterback situation is if the 49ers win a Super Bowl, which I guess is fair because the team is – you know the team has had great quarterbacks in the past, and they've talked openly talked about the Super Bowl being the expectation. So you need a quarterback that can that can get you there. The reason why I didn't have quarterback initially on this list was because I think they can win one with Garoppolo, and I think it would take building out the rest of the roster to do so. Right? Like we've talked about Garoppolo's limitations a lot. Um, I think part of his limitations is the fact that he's not going to elevate a average roster to a Super Bowl contender, I think you need to have a Super Bowl contending roster and Garoppolo can be your quarterback, if that makes sense. Like, Patrick Mahomes is elevating a pretty good Chiefs roster, a really good offensive personnel, um, you know, in terms of all the guys they have. They have a really good offensive roster. An average to above average defense, I would say. Is that fair? But because yes. you have Patrick Mahomes, you he elevates everything, right? So right. Jimmy Garoppolo isn't that guy, but you can still win a Super Bowl with him because we've seen guys like Nick Foles and Joe Flacco and Trent Dilfer and Brad Johnson win Super Bowls just with really good defenses. So I think that's sort of where the 49ers are right now. Um, but the point is is more about, you know, you have to fill out the room, right? Like you need you need backups because of Garoppolo's injury history. And, um, and so, yeah, five on number five on the list for me. So I have specified on my list backup quarterback and I have it at number two. Wow. So you're all in on Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah. I just, I I think I, (laughs) yeah. Uh, big Jimmy G guy. I base all of my thoughts based on how much I just really like his jawline. So you're just an apologist. Huge Jimmy apologist. No, I, I, I. We're we're both shills and apologists, I think. Yes, when it comes to Jimmy that's Jimmy. correct. <laughs> per <laughs> per the internet, no. Uh, so this is this is what this is the reason I have backup quarterback. I have that specified at, at number two. I 
I think that all the talk about the 49ers upgrading at quarterback and they need to make a move at quarterback and whatnot is all going to result in, and we talked about this uh, on, on the last episode, is all going to result in Jimmy Garoppolo just returning. Yeah, and they are not, point. they are not, barring Deshaun Watson becoming available to the 49ers, that's a separate thing. But if Watson's not available, or if if the the he says he doesn't want to play for the 49ers, whatever it is, if that trade's not on the table, the 49ers showed with Matthew Stafford, they had a conversation with the Lions, according to Albert Breer. The Lions called them back once first-round picks were on the table, and the Niners said they were out. They weren't even willing to put a first-round pick on the table for Matthew Stafford. And then when you look at the landscape of other quarterbacks that might be available, again, that's a might be available, I don't think there's one that they're going to put a first-round pick on the table for. Their lack of eagerness in that Matthew Stafford situation, to me, says it. it, it, it is what Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch have been saying about they like Jimmy Garoppolo. Shanahan said he wants him to be part of their core. They believe in him moving forward. He's got his best football ahead of him. That to me was action to go with those words. And I just, when you look at the guys who might be available, I don't think there's anybody that represents that significant. Here's a first round pick type of upgrade outside of Watson. So Jimmy Garoppolo coming back means they need to figure out their quarter, their backup quarterback situation in, in the worst way, because you you can't go into a year assuming you're getting 16 from Garoppolo anymore. You just can't. If you do, awesome. But in the event that he's going to miss three or four or five weeks, you need a quarterback that can go win you a few games in that stretch. It's not Nick Mullins. It's not C.J. Beathard. So what do they do? That's what they've got to figure out. Is it a draft pick? Is it paying a little bit extra to get a player like maybe Ryan Fitzpatrick in as the QB2? I, I, I don't know the exact plan, but they need to figure out backup quarterback if they are rolling with Garoppolo, which to me right now signs point to them doing. So that's number two on my list. Yeah. And I think for me, I think if they bring back Garoppolo, I think it would be smart for them to invest a draft pick over the first two days in a quarterback. I don't, I don't, I personally am not expecting one of the top four guys. Um, You know, I don't think Trey Lance or Justin Fields, Obviously, Zach Wilson or, or Trevor Lawrence. I don't think any of those guys are going to be available for 12. And I would be very surprised if the 49ers traded up from 12 to get a quarterback. Um, but, you know, second or third round, like I could absolutely seeing them, you know, get somebody to develop uh, with a similar thought process they had when, when they brought in C.J. Beathard. And obviously they would hope that anybody they did draft would would be more productive than Beathard was. But in terms of finding a backup, I mean, there are some there are some names that wouldn't that wouldn't be terrible on on the free agent market um, the, this spring. You have you know Jacoby Brissett uh, would be interesting. Ryan Fitzpatrick, like you mentioned, Tyrod Taylor is a free agent. AJ McCarron, Andy Dalton, um, Nathan Peterman snapped up off the market. Raiders locked him down for another year today, so you got to cross him off your list. But um, that's a bit, but, um, yeah, I, I think there are, um, I think there are capable backups out there who are veterans who could probably come in. Um, and like you said, like if Jimmy Garoppolo were to get hurt, it wouldn't completely derail your season. So I, I'm, I am expecting the 49ers to bring in a free agent, um, as potentially a backup. And if, if they do roll with Garoppolo as a starter, like, like I think you and I expect, and I'm expecting them to, Uh, within the first three rounds, maybe address the position in the draft. I'm on this weird hype of trade for Gardner Minshew. Maybe not to be the QB two, although, although I think that would be an upgrade over both Mullins and Beathard. Yeah, I think that would be fine. I I think if you, if, if the Jaguars will take a sixth round pick for Gardner Minshew, I do that really fast. Yeah. That's, that's my quarterback take. What is, so back of quarterbacks two on my list, right guard is five. Those are your number six is right guard. Five is quarterback. What's number four for you? Uh, nickel, slot corner. Um, I'm not expecting them to bring back Kwan Williams, and I think he's probably going to get uh, – he's probably going to be priced out of what the 49ers can afford just from a cap perspective because um, 
and it, and it might be different this year because of because the cap being smaller like a lot of those sort of mid-range free agents who would get paid under you know get big contracts under normal circumstances those big money deals might not be out there so mm-hmm. it might be that maybe Williams doesn't get a massive deal but I'm still I'm still under the assumption and and I guess I shouldn't assume this but I I'm I'm thinking that that Kwan Williams is going to be playing elsewhere and you know the Jets have what 60 million in cap space and they're you know mm-hmm. it's Robert Sala's team it wouldn't surprise me at all if if he brought in Kwan Williams to to help sort of solidify that secondary but it's a it's a really important position and um you know the 49ers used a first round pick in in 2014 on jimmy ward to essentially place play that position because it's a really important one um and how good kwan williams has been over the last couple seasons proves how important that position can be because you know you can make plays as a blitzer uh, as kwan williams did you you often have to cover um, the the most shifty pass catcher on the other side. You have to be able to cover tight ends. You have to be able to play the run. Um, it's it's a really tough position, and and it takes a lot. And so, um, I, I think nickel is going to be an important position for the 49ers to figure out this offseason. And it could be that it's just Emmanuel Mosley. And I I wouldn't necessarily hate that idea, because I think Emmanuel Mosley can can potentially do that. Um, and I think Jason Verrett potentially could too, but you know these are guys that have been outside uh, the the last few years um, at least, and and so it's it's not always the easiest transition to make just to just to say all right, kick inside. There's there's a whole lot more uh, responsibilities in that, but it's a very important position. Um, you're losing a good player potentially in Kwan Williams, and uh, and I'm expecting the 49ers to to potentially draft somebody. Um, you know, I thought I thought a lot about Antoine Winfield Jr. Uh, in the draft last year and how he might potentially fit into that role, knowing that Williams might end up, um, you know, leaving in free agency this spring. I think there's, you know, that second or third round range, you can generally find a sort of corner safety hybrid um, that could potentially be a productive player for you and, and start right away. So I, I'm, I'm sort of thinking that's what the 49ers are going to do is they're going to target somebody uh, maybe day two um, to, to potentially play nickel uh, unless they're just really comfortable with Emmanuel Mosley. But um, yeah, it's a, it's an important need and, uh, and one that shouldn't be overlooked. So I was just going to put cornerback because that's the normal thing to do. Um, yeah, but you have you have forced me to specify. That's that's why I made this six from five. Outside corner to slot corner. Completely different keys. It's unbelievable stuff from you. <laughs> Pretty clear you dug deep into the all twenty-two while putting together your list. <laughs> so, uh, so because you had to be an asshole about it, <laughs> I have. <laughs> I have nickel at three instead of four, which is where I have cornerback because I think that having a good nickel corner is a game changer for a defense mm-hmm. for all the all the things you said. Teams like to live in the middle of the field now. If you can defend a effective slot receiver on third downs, it makes it much easier to get off the field on third down. Because for a lot of quarterbacks, that's just kind of their safety blanket. Third and four, five, they're looking for that guy. And if your if your nickel can shut that guy down, uh, it, it makes it a lot easier for your defense. So if we're going to separate those two positions, uh, I have nickel just ahead of cornerback. Because if the 49ers could have a pro bowler at one of those two spots, I think they'd rather have one in nickel. Yeah, that's a great take. What's number three? Uh, number three for me is edge rusher, and um, you know you you have a whole lot of uncertainty surrounding D Ford and whether or not not only you know is his status with the 49ers up in the air just given um, what he has a twenty million dollar cap hit I think in yeah in twenty twenty one and obviously somebody who played one game last year and just twenty two percent of the snaps in twenty nineteen. Um, not somebody you can rely on after, you know, he's had back issues basically starting in his college career. He had back surgery second or third season, I think, with Kansas City. 
and now he missed um you know the final 15 games of, of the most recent season with the back issue just the 49ers can't count on him and I think are probably going to try to move off of his contract and I think the injury is probably going to complicate that because you can't cut somebody who's injured they have to be able to pass a physical and um so we don't know where things stand with Ford at the moment but regardless the 49ers need production opposite Nick Bosa right and you know Ronald Blair might be somebody that that is going to come back um you know, Kerry Hyder probably priced himself out of coming back to the 49ers um, after leading the team in sacks this season. So, you know, you don't want Eric Armstead playing on the edge. You you ideally want him playing on the inside. So you just need a long-term option that, you know, potentially could develop into a three-down player that you play opposite Nick Bosa. And, and to me, that feels like the most likely scenario um, with that 12th pick. I know there's going to be a ton of talk about quarterback and and probably cornerback too. I think corner and, and edge rusher are the spots that are most likely um, to be in play, whether it's, you know, uh, you know, Quiddy Pay for Michigan or, uh, you know, Gregory Rousseau or Aziz Ajul. I'm not even going to try to say his name. The, the edge rusher Aziz from, hey, for from Georgia. Yeah. Um, our guy Danny Kelly says he has shades of uh, Shaquille Barrett, which would be an excellent addition opposite um, opposite Nick Bosa. But the point is, for the 49ers defense to play at the level as it did in 2019, I think they need to have somebody formidable opposite Nick Bosa. And I think the best way to do that would be to draft somebody because it's obviously an expensive position. Those guys don't hit the free agent market very often. So I'm expecting um, I'm expecting them to draft somebody. But I think it's a huge need because... If you get Nick Bosa back healthy, um, you maximize him by having somebody to compliment him on the other side. And so if Javon Kinlaw takes another step, if Eric Armstead can play inside and be a more productive interior pass rusher like he was in 2019 than when you had to play him a lot on the edge in 2020, um, you know, you could be looking at a really good defensive line again. I don't know if the 49ers will ever have as good of a defensive line as they did in 2019, mm-hmm. just because DeForest Buckner is really, really good. But you can get back to the brand of football that you want to play um, if you get another dominant edge defender to to play opposite Nick Bosa. And I think ultimately, you know, you listen to John Lynch talk about his his team-building philosophy. It, it all starts with a defensive line for him, and, and Kyle Shanahan has echoed has echoed that sentiment um, too. So, yeah, getting somebody to, to rush the passer opposite Nick Bosa I think is a huge priority for the 49ers this offseason. So for all those reasons you just listed, Edge is my number one. Okay. It it was the best position on their roster when their defense was at its best. They had D Ford and Nick Bosa on the field at the same time getting after opposing quarterbacks. That was spearheading a defense that carried them to the Super Bowl. And carried them to within, uh, you know, a third and fifteen miracle completion of of winning the Super Bowl. And if they are going to roll with Jimmy Garoppolo, they're going to need to have a really, really good defense again. And that's going to start up front. And I, I don't know that they're going to have the money to bring in a ton of really good cornerbacks. So I don't know that they're going to get a Richard Sherman caliber season from any of the cornerbacks they bring in either through the draft or in free agency. So I think it's going to have to really be the defensive line. I think that's going to need to be an exceptionally effective unit. And when it comes to that edge rush spot, it's Nick Bosa and then, and then not a lot. So if you can bring somebody in who is, as effective as D Ford was when he was on the field in 2019, it allows Eric Armstead to play more defensive tackle where he's at his best. And I think you start to get a little bit closer to that 2019 group. Like you said, probably not going to be as good, but definitely a championship caliber group. If, if they can find somebody who can be a seven and a half or eight sack guy off, off the opposite edge from Nick Bosa. I'm going to take a shot at this Aziz Ojulari. That sounds right to me. Yeah, from Georgia. Height, weight, speed guy. What's his spider graph look like? Uh, well, we're not going to have a combine this year, so the the spider graph industry is going to take a big hit. I don't know that enough people are talking about that. Um, okay. But, yeah. Number two for you. Uh, number two for me is center because we've seen 
what Kyle Shanahan, his teams in the past have done at center, whether it's sign Alex Mack to a $47.5 million contract or sign um, Weston Richburg to basically the same contract in 2018. I don't know that Weston Richburg, it's sort of the same boat as, as D Ford, right? Like the 49ers initially thought Weston Richburg would be healthy enough to start training camp. And after tearing his patella in, in 2019, that never happened. And then he simply just, um, you know, I know he had shoulder surgery at, at, at one point, but really the issue, um, <clears throat> the issue with him was coming back from, from the leg injury. And so it, it was two straight off seasons for Richburg coming back from significant leg injuries. And you just wonder, um, is he going to be the guy that the 49ers paid for in 2018 or is he at the, at the wrong stage in his career? And is he going to, is he going to be able to play again? Um, does he want to play again? Like, these are all questions we haven't heard from Richburg really since, uh, since locker room cleanout day after, after the Super Bowl. Um, a year ago. So we have no idea really what Weston Richburg's status is right now. And, and I just don't think you can count on him to be a high level center that you need him to be if you're paying him at that cap figure that they would be paying him. So I put him in the same group as Ford in that his status is uncertain. He has a big cap number and you would ideally like to pay a lot less for somebody um, if you do have those type of concerns about him. But I, I think you know, bringing it back to the right guard situation a little bit, like if you get a really good center, then I think it, it ultimately is going to, it's going to help the right guard spot out a lot. And no matter who you have at that right guard spot, um, I, I just think it's a really important position for, for the 49ers, particularly in their running game, because, you know, the way those outside zone runs work, you need to be able to get to the second level. You need to be really athletic um, you need to be able to fire out of your stance and, and shade a defender to, to one side, which is a thing that football people talk about, um, that apparently Weston Richburg was good at when he was healthy. But, um, you know, there was obviously a big drop off from, from what the 49ers had when Richburg was playing well to what they had to roll, roll out last year when they went through basically four centers. Um, and I don't think Ben Garland's bad, but ideally I mean Kyle Shanahan's made it pretty clear in the past that he wants he values tackles and he values centers um in terms of you know cap allocation and resources and things like that so I think you know as much as I think the 49ers are probably going to draft a corner or a pass rusher in the first round it wouldn't surprise me at all if they ended up trying to find a center and and maybe that you know maybe they wait till the second or third which is certainly possible but um, I just think it's a massive need because like, you know, we, what, like we saw with Jimmy Garoppolo, he's, he's not the best handler of interior pressure. And so, you know, you need, you need to have a, a center who holds up well in, in both, you know, pass protection and in the running game, he can get outside, uses athleticism, all of those things. And you also need a competent snapper. Um, it sounds like a pretty basic thing, but like Daniel Brenskill wasn't great. At, mm -hmm. at snapping the ball and it throws off the timing of of plays when uh when you have a bad snap you know there were some i think at least one or two like fourth down running plays where they're out of shotgun and i know there's a lot of discussion about kyle shanahan's short yardage running decisions on out, out of shotgun and stuff like that but like if that's a bad snap and you're running on a fourth down out of shotgun like it throws everything off and there's a there's a very good chance that it's not going to work right if the quarterback has to try to pick the ball up by his feet or you know lean to another direction whatever um and and that was sort of an underrated issue i think with daniel brunskill was just the accuracy of his snaps and so um you know you need i, I think the 49ers could use a really good center uh, next year, and they thought they were getting one in Western Richburg, but the the injury issues have just been too immense for him to overcome. So, um, center for me is is their second most pressing need um, this off season because I think you know if if you're bringing back Jimmy Garoppolo, which you and I think they are, you need a really good offensive line um, because you need to function in the running game, and you just need to to give Jimmy Garoppolo a little bit more confidence in that he's not going to get hurt. Um, and, and that comes with having a, a good offensive line. So, uh, I'm not going to lie to you. The whole nickel corner thing really threw me off. And I well, was initially going to just put interior offensive line 
And then I realized I should probably divide that up too for the sake of conversation. And so what I did was I just threw the two interior offensive line positions down at the bottom. So I have center at six, but you swung me. So center, (laughs) like you said, is obviously super important. If Weston Richburg is going to be fully healthy and be back and can play at a high level, then that's great. But I don't think that's something, uh, like you said, that that Golden State can necessarily, uh, not Golden State, but San Francisco can necessarily count on. So where did that come from? Golden State. I may or may I may or may not have the Warriors Mavericks game on at the moment. Oh, okay. so <laughs> so Chris Porzingis just hit a triple. Mavs on a seven zero run. Um, I think for the reasons you just listed, San Francisco is going to go out and try and find a replacement for Richburg. You know, if he comes back, great. But if not, I don't think they want to roll with Ben Garland and then crossing their fingers that Garland stays healthy. So. I absolutely think that's a spot that they're going to address. And if they can find a long-term starter there, whether it be in free agency or the draft, then they will. Uh, So I have that at six, but that is in the wrong place on my list. Admittedly. Fair enough. Um, That's number one. Number one for me is cornerback. Uh, It's a passing league. I don't know if you knew that, Kyle. Get out of town. What? Yeah, it's it's a passing (laughs) league. Richard Sherman probably isn't going to come back. Um and especially after all that John Gruden tampering but <laughs> yeah he's probably really swayed by by what John Gruden said on that podcast well but, he was um, so outwardly confident during the year that he was going to come back to San Francisco <laughs> <laughs> right right um yeah I mean Richard Sherman's a free agent uh Jason Verrett's a free agent Emmanuel Mosley's restricted um Akella Witherspoon's a free agent that's basically your top four cornerbacks are all sort of uncertain um, so I think, you know, the expectation is Sherman's probably going to leave. Um, I think Jason Verrett could probably be, be brought back, but you do wonder about, you know, his health. His health is always going to be a concern, no matter, you know, he, he did just come off a, a healthy season um, and a really good season, but I still think you have to operate with caution in terms of uh, the expectations you have for him and that, you know, because Jason Verrett, was healthy last year. I don't know that, you know, it's, it's not a guarantee that he's going to have a 16, a healthy 16 game season in, in 2021. And, you know, Witherspoon's probably gonna, gonna play elsewhere. And, you know, so that leaves you with Emmanuel Mosley in restricted free agency, and he might end up needing to be your nickel corner. So when you just look at this 49ers roster in terms of, in terms of holes, I think cornerback is pretty clearly the most glaring hole that they have. Um, so I, I, I am expecting Verrett to come back and Mosley to come back. Um, but like I said, I, I still think that they're going to draft a corner pretty early in the draft and whether, you know, I, like I said, it's, it might be round one, it might be round two, but I, I think they're, they're not going to have a ton of money in free agency to dole out to a cornerback. Um, and so I think, I, I just think it's, it's probably going to be somebody they draft, um, and they're probably going to draft multiple corners. That wouldn't surprise me at all. Um, mm-hmm. J.C. Horn from South Carolina is somebody who seems like who would make a lot of sense. Um, Patrick Sertan, the second out of Alabama, seems like he would make a lot of sense. Um, but there's no guarantee that those guys are going to be there at 12. So um, either way, I, I just think it's, you know, you look at the roster and it, it's just a, a very, very glaring need to me that, if you have Super Bowl expectations, you're going to need to cover a lot of really good receivers, whether it's, you know, Devontae Adams, DK Metcalf, um, you know, the whoever it is. I mean, there are tons of receivers throughout the throughout the league, um, and and you're going to have to cover them if you're going to get to the Super Bowl. So um, to me, that's the most glaring need on the roster is cornerback. It's definitely one. I have it at number four, but that's mostly because they brought Ken Webster back. no i i i have it at four but really when you look at this entire list i think the argument can be made that any of them could be number one and cornerback just by virtue of the roster right now they have three cornerbacks under contract for next year ken webster is the most experienced of them it's adonis alexander and then tim harris who's who's been on the practice squad since they picked him in the sixth round last year so 
they just need bodies at that spot. And then on top of that, they need starting caliber players at that spot. I think Emmanuel Mosley probably comes back. But if it's Mosley and Witherspoon again that they're rolling out there as their starting corners, that's going to be a pretty significant problem. So I I have it at number four. But again, if you want, I, I am not going to argue that it isn't their their top need. Um, I, I, cornerback is just way too important in the modern NFL. You know, I, I was thinking about this the other day. It's really a passing league now. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, look, look at the division, right? Yeah, DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah. Um, DK Metcalf, uh, Tyler, Tyler Lockett, Lockett, um, Cooper cup, Robert Woods. You know, like there are a ton of guys that Christian you... Kirk's not bad, by the way. Yeah, Christian Kirk isn't bad. Um, there are just a lot of guys you have to cover if you're gonna if you're gonna do anything in the NFC, you have to be able to cover people and some really good quarterbacks to throw to them. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, to me, it's just a lot of there's a debate about, and you know, we've talked a little bit about this in the past, but there's a debate about the value of pass rusher versus versus cornerbacks. Um, in terms of who's more valuable, I still tend to agree with the football people who say pass rushers are more important. Um, and I know there's there's an analytics argument to be made that cornerbacks are more important. Um, but either way, the 49ers need both, right? Like yeah. they, they need both. So um, those are pretty glaring needs to have. And, and that's just assuming they handle their left tackle situation uh, and bring back Trent Williams. So like you, like you said early in the pod, if they don't bring back Trent Williams, left tackle is clearly their most pressing need on the roster. But um, just given given all the receivers that they're going to have to go against um, to get back to the Super Bowl, if that is indeed their goal, uh, they they are going to have to have to add significant pieces at cornerback. Um, now that Richard Sherman is most likely moving on. Yeah, that's that finding. Because really, we talked so much about the defensive line. Their cornerback play was was really good the the year they went to the Super Bowl. And finding players of that caliber is not going to be super easy. And it's something that I think they're going to spend a lot of time doing this offseason. And how well they fill that need could, could be the difference between whether uh, they're contenders in the NFC or not. Totally. Would it and those surprise are, you? are the top six needs. Yeah, what would it surprise you at all if the 49ers used their first two picks in the secondary? No, on corner and or slot. No, not at all. Yeah, me neither. I initially thought that. So when I when I was I think I first did a top five needs piece at NinersWire.com, uh, like halfway through the year, and I think I had strong safety there. Because Jaquaski Tart's going to be a free agent. I think Marcel Harris is unrestricted. But with Tavarius Moore playing there and having some moments at that spot, I think that becomes less dire. But safety is another spot where they're just going to need bodies. And and maybe a, yeah. a starting a starting caliber player if they're not super confident in Tavarius Moore. And if that's the case, then then maybe they go there um in the first couple days of the draft. But uh, yeah, I, 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 I think they probably go edge rusher in the first round, just as you said, the organizational philosophy, but beyond that, if they drafted like two or three cornerbacks, it wouldn't surprise me at all. No, not at all. And you have Corey Unlin now, who's going to be, you know, he's their passing game coordinator. Technically, it sounds like he, he might also be their secondary coach or handle both those responsibilities. So um, you have a new coach there that generally means a new wave of players could be coming. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I think one of the reasons the 49ers were fine with going into the season with so much uncertainty beyond 2020 at the position um, was because they probably had a pretty decent idea, too, that they were going to have some turnover in the coaching staff. Obviously, losing Robert Sala to a head coaching job is 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 what happened. So um, it'll be interesting to see what kind of defense they play stylistically under D'Amico Ryans and how that impacts how they view personnel. Um, I'd imagine it's going to be similar to, you know, the, the cover three press man, um, 
stuff that they that they ran with Robert Sala. I think, you know, I talking to people, the thing that they've prioritized the most at cornerback when evaluating the draft, and this might be a little surprising, but it's like it's always been man to man coverage skills. Um, yeah. even though they were playing that sort of cover three Seattle scheme or, or at least a version of it. So, um, you know, when, when thinking about the draft, I think that's probably where you have to start is the man to man stuff, because, you know, that's, that's typically what the 49ers did on third down was a lot of man to man. Um, so anyway, yeah, I, I just cornerback, you, you look at what they have available to them on the roster and you feel pretty good about the roster at, you know, at, most spots because you know even though pass rushers a need well you do have nick bosa right um yeah or even though a quarterback is potentially need well you do have jimmy garoppolo like you have somebody there but they don't have anybody a corner yeah that and you can that you yeah, feel a hundred percent on is like all right this guy's a starter we feel great about that um and so i think yeah it's pretty clearly their their number one need in my opinion and I think, too, I think you can also argue when you just kind of look at this list as a whole, you could also argue like a Sam linebacker is is a pretty sizable need. Um, and then and then, of course, there's the free agent aspect that we talked about at the top. If Trent Williams winds up not resigning, you know, left tackle goes to the top. Uh, if if Kyle Juszczyk doesn't resign, they got to figure out what they're going to do uh, to replace him in their offense, if, if at all. So it's going to be a fascinating offseason. And we'll see, I think, pretty early on uh, what what the 49ers kind of plans are uh, in the draft based on how free agency goes. Also, if the whole Deshaun Watson thing does go down, I think it probably doesn't go down until pretty late in the offseason. So I don't think we'll have an answer on that for, for quite a while. You think it would happen after the draft? That's what I don't know. Like I, I get logistically why Houston would would wanna if if they were going to do a deal, do it before the draft. But I don't have a lot of faith in that organization to be smart about this. <laughs> and if they are if they're gonna try and wait it out, I, I mean it, it seems like they might wait until after the draft on accident. Like does that does that right. make sense? Where, where they're like, where they're like, oh no, we're not trading him, we're not trading him, and they they're they're holding on to their their chips, and then all of a sudden, July third rolls around, and Deshaun Watson's like, yeah, I'm not going to camp, I'm not playing, and they're like, oh crap, we need to right. do something. Now we really have a deadline. Yeah, I could right. see them having having a misguided sense of optimism that no, we're gonna hold on to Deshaun and we'll fix it. And all will be fine. And then, yeah, to your point, the summer comes and Deshaun's like, all right, not going to training camp. You guys enjoy. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, yeah, that that would make sense. That would be really interesting because it would change things pretty dramatically from the 49ers perspective because obviously yeah. they, they wouldn't be able to trade that 12th pick. Right. I mean, or they could trade whoever that player is, but that's, that probably wouldn't happen. I, I have no idea. Like, ultimately, I think Watson is going to get traded. Um, I do, too but I have no idea exactly how Houston's going to go about it um, because it's really hard to judge Nick Casario and have any feel for what he's going to do because he was always sort of under the, the Bill Belichick umbrella and you, mm-hmm. you know, nobody has a, has a super clear view of how their personnel department operated from a decision-making standpoint. Right. Yeah. So was it, was Casario pulling strings in new England or was it all Belichick and he was just doing some of the legwork? Like I, it's really tough to say. Um, well, and how much of a role is Jack Easterby going to play, whose whose name continues to come up? Anytime I work at 95.7 The Game, it's a sports talk radio station here in the Bay Area. I don't think I've ever brought it up. but Flagship of the Golden we, State Warriors. Golden State Warriors flagship station, right. And we've, we've had Seth Payne on, who does radio in Houston. He played for the Texans. And... Early on in the Deshaun Watson thing, we had him on and he was like, yeah, Jack Easterby is the one running this organization into the ground. And he is still there. Yeah. So... And I, it seems pretty <laughs> clear that, that, I mean, if Casario you read between wants the him lines, there. Yeah. If, if you read between the lines, I think the only way Watson would feel comfortable going back is if they got rid of Easterby. But even then, like, it sort of feels like all the toothpaste is out of the tube. 
Yeah, I agree. So we'll we'll see. But yeah, top- I think Deshaun Watson's going to come up at least once a podcast until something happens. I'm expecting so like this week there was that weird Kirk Cousin rumor. I'm expecting there to be one weird quarterback rumor a week. Yeah. Um I think, you know, there was there was a Matt Stafford thing obviously, there was a Kirk Cousin thing obviously which nobody um nobody with any credibility that I saw or, or any track record of breaking news said that the Kirk Cousin thing was um was actually going to happen. And it wouldn't really make any sense because they re-signed Kirk Cousins last off season and he had a pretty good season, a yep. really good season actually. And so it would just be very odd if Minnesota decided to just swap him out. <laughs> yeah. After I wrote about that, that as deal. well as NinersWire.com. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm expecting there to be a weird Matt Ryan rumor next week. Probably there's probably going to be a Sam Darnold rumor at some point. Um, what other quarterbacks? Somebody shout out throw- shout out to Tom Pelissero from NFL Network of getting the Matt Ryan stuff out of the way now. Basically yeah. reported that the Falcons have no have had no trade talks. They don't intend to trade Matt Ryan or Julio Jones. And then Arthur Blank, their owner, came out uh, on Thursday, I believe, and said that he would be shocked if Matt Ryan wasn't playing for the Falcons next year. Yeah. Um, and all the Packers brass came out and said that they're not going to trade Aaron Rodgers. So yeah, there might be some other weird Aaron Rodgers thing. Dak Prescott's a free agent, maybe a tag and trade for Dak Prescott. Who knows? You can, you can have that one for your radio show if you want. Thanks, man. That's a free topic. That you can I might watch. might just do that. See how the text line responds. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what other weird quarterback rumors could we could we have we done two up? Tua would make sense, particularly Tua if Watson for number goes... twelve straight across. Ooh, interesting. Um, has Kyle Shanahan ever worked with a left-handed quarterback? I don't think so. Something to dive into. Yeah, I don't think yeah, so either. Good point. Um, Robert Griffin the third, free agent. Yep, he's available. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, right. Let's <laughs> there's going to be so many weird quarter. Like it's, I feel like it's, it's not even. Not even like anywhere near how crazy it's gonna be once free agency in the draft. Comes. Yeah, a lot of a lot of misinformation on Twitter these days. Just be careful of uh, just be careful careful of, of what you see and try not to take everything you read on the internet uh, too seriously. Except for this podcast. Well, yeah, you're they're listening to this. You're not reading. Okay, we're done. Okay, subscribe, rate, and review. See you guys. <laughs>